this contemplative, it's this way. This, this uh, right now, this is a conscious experience. All of us are conscious beings. Ability to know, aware. Uh, when there's consciousness, there's a, there's the subject-object experience. The being born as a human being means that we we have this experience. This is the this is the experience of consciousness. So, using consciousness with wisdom, rather than with ignorance, we we let go of the self. The the ignorant view is interpreting consciousness from the attitude of I am. I'm the body, I'm the feelings, I'm the perceptions, I'm the volitions, I'm consciousness, is mine. I am a person. These assumptions, attitudes that we, we make out of ignorance, of course, create suffering. This is the way it is. Consciousness is this way. So that now that you're observing, try to try to just get the feeling or the what is it? This moment as a conscious moment. Not uh, not think about it, but just be aware and reflective on this experience that we all have at this moment of consciousness. Consciousness is this way. Then perception, we perceive things when we're conscious of them. And then something comes into consciousness, we perceive it as something, we give it a name. And that's a clock I'm looking at. There's consciousness of it with the eyes, and then we perceive it as something. We call it a clock, the perception. <clears throat> when you have no, when you see some, when something enters your field of consciousness and you have no perception of it, you you try to figure it out. No, you try to perceive it as something or other. We feel very ill at ease when, when something enters our consciousness that we can't perceive as being something. We know that we can have a name or know what it is. So we, we tend to fit everything into the realm of perception. Or just dismiss, not pay attention to that which which we have no perceptions for. Conditioning of the mind is like that. You just, you live in a world that's your own perception. You perceive it. It's a habit, a perceived world that you call the real world is a very conditioned world. So, you see, how you see the world is, 
you, you interpret it through perception, through the, the way, the names, the forms that you, that you regard as real. And that which doesn't fit into that is not noticed, dismissed, ignored, rejected. That's why we <coughs> do the things we do, why we, we lack sensitivity so much of the time, why we tend to uh, be frightened and threatened by alien forces or strange things that happen or abnormal behavior or forms that we can't quite understand or languages. When people start speaking in a language, a foreign language, we can feel really uptight, can't we? We're talking away in, in uh, Swahili and we just feel, what are they saying? What are they talking about? Because it's all just noise to us, isn't it? Swahili. Just, I don't think anybody here understands Swahili. Wouldn't know what they're saying. It's all just noises. But when we have good old English words, we feel quite all right. Because we perceive the world through English, most of us, don't we? It's through the English perceptions, the words, the English sentence structures that, the, that is how we perceive our world. Like one can say the clock on the wall, I perceive it as a clock right now. But it's still, it's still high consciousness of it, but the perception, I don't have to think about it as a clock all the time. But when there's no, when there's no, uh, when I'm not calling it a clock, it is what it is. And this is why the suchness or as-isness the way it is, is, is a very helpful reflection for us. It doesn't need to be a clock all the time. It is just what it is now. And, we, and things are what they are. A condition is exactly what it is. And if you notice, as the, as the more mindful you are, Subtlety, conditions, uh, subtle conditions that you can't perceive as being anything other than a condition. Is that some of the mental things and energies, mental forms and energies, and and that that we increasingly aware of, you can't label them as being this or that. I mean, you can't perceive them as anything other than. You can, you know, they're conditioned, conditioned phenomena arises and ceases. That you have maybe no way of perceiving it as, as a, as a quality or quantity of anything. It is what it is. So taking this, this perception of conditioned and unconditioned is the the broadest possible. Uh, it's the, the elephant's footprint. It's the, it, 
everything fits, every possibility uh, in the universal system and outside it, beings near and far away, born and to be born, and outside, inside, uh, absolute and infinite, conditioned and mortal, fit into this these two perceptions, conditioned and unconditioned, sankhata dhamma, asankhata dhamma. So this is this is where say the the, the reflective nature of, of Buddhist meditation is is using this these two perceptions not as fixed views not as doctrines, but as perceptions to contemplate. Uh, we, we, can, we can observe everything that's conditioned as a condition, whether, it, whether it's, uh, we can perceive it as being something, or we don't know what it is. If it arises, it ceases. If it's normal or abnormal, if it's... Uh, clearly formed and, and geometrical or very abstract, whether it's uh, shapeless and irregular or clearly defined or black or white, good or bad, high or low, all conditions are impermanent. Now you can only have one conscious moment at a time, so that makes that also helps. And we can't be conscious of everything all at the same time. So can't be conscious through your eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body and mind all in the same moment. So there's a conscious moment. And whatever is conscious in the moment, whatever condition there is, or Maybe there's, there's consciousness, but no, but there's nothing, uh, there's not, like nothing that is, we're conscious of, no object. But there's this knowing, there's this awareness of a condition or of a form or of emptiness, or self or no self. or grasping or non-grasping, desire or desirelessness. Now to study grasping, ubadana, grasp something with your mind, like think about something that really you tend to grasp at, some strong emotion or feeling or reaction. Just and deliberately uh, think that, think about it. But in, in this quite deliberate way of reflecting, you're, you're, you're contemplating the grasping of the condition. What is it that just how one thing goes on to another? How easily we get carried away just by grasping the, 
the initial condition and just get pulled into it and it goes on and on and on and on until we're aware as we, we we let go of it we we decide to to not to let go so then there's awareness of non-attachment Grasping and non-attachment. We, we can investigate and study this. So you, you become increasingly aware and knowledgeable of letting go and non-grasping, what it's like. Non-grasping is like this. Grasping is like this. You hear the sound of silence, the breath, watch the breath, the ticking of the clock, the way things are. This is the way it is. If you don't understand what I'm talking about, then be aware of not knowing or confusion or doubt. Like this, not understanding is, is this way. What's he talking about, non-grasping? How am I supposed to, what is that? That's an, that can you can see as an object. You know, the feeling of being confused or not understanding or doubt about your ability to understand. It's this, it's, it's this way. Not knowing, not understanding is this way. So you're bringing attention to the way it is now. And when that confusion or doubt is gone, what's left? What is non-confusion? Non-doubt. Now this reflection on the, say, the consciousness and on vinyana and sanya is just to, to clarify what, how to use these categories these five aggregates, like there's a rupa, so the body, physical body, uh, and forms, solid material forms, vedana for attraction and repulsion and neutral feeling, and that can be physical, mental, through the eye, ear, nose, and tongue, body, mind. They use Vedana as six or as three or whatever. It's a, but it, it's, see it as the category for being attracted or repelled or neither attracted nor repelled through the senses of the mind. Sanya, perception, perceiving things. As, giving things names, perceiving it. This is a clock, that is a bell, this is a microphone, that is a electric fire, that is a bouquet of flowers, that is a picture of Avalokiteshvara. Perceiving that that's Venerable Bodhinanda, that's Venerable Nyanadasi. Perceiving them 
you can be conscious, the eyes may be conscious through the eye, then you perceive them, as give them a name. As a person, as a thing, you know they're a human being. Then the perception, you perceive them as a human or a monk, or you can go you know, like perceive them with as a person, with a name, as a perception. Reflecting in this way, then you you can see that you don't have to have you don't have to perceive things. A thing you can because your your things are what they are. So you're not with the trouble with ability to perceive to name something is we it, we give it a kind of solidity, as if Venerable Bodhinanda was Venerable Bodhinanda all the time, whether we're here or not here. No matter what, we we think that he is that that person all the time. We go away and, and we don't see him for fifty years. We still perceive him as being Venerable Bodhinanda, as a kind of ongoing assumption that he is that forever, rather than seeing that that is merely a perception of the moment, maybe a convention that we use for communication. So we're, we're seeing the nature of perception as just a, a moment and a, and a maybe conventional reality for communication, but we're breaking through the assumption that it is a kind of permanent thing forever. Does this electric fire have to be an electric fire forever, or is it just what it is now? Well, it's, it's electric fire. There will always be an electric fire. We, we like to think that it, is, that it is a permanent electric fire. But as actual experience, in the moment, we see that we perceive it, we, we, we can be conscious of it, and we perceive it as electric fire, but that is just the way it is now. We don't have to assume anything. We just know that, that the perception is a perception, consciousness is consciousness. It's impermanent, anicca, dukkha, anatta. So this kind of investigation of the five khandhas helps you to, to as seeing them in, as uh, rupang anichang and rupang anatta, that way we chant in the morning, helps us to break down the illusoriness of rupa weightiness anyas and karaminyana. The illusions out of ignorance are that they they are that way all the time. Uh, it has this sense of solidity and permanence and self and somebody is 
a person all the time because we can remember them. But that is a perception of a person. <coughs> Where is Venerable Amaral right now? They, oh, he's down at Chichers. No. Venerable Amaral is a perception in your mind, isn't it? Down at Chichers is a perception in your mind. Of course, if somebody, some visitor comes in, where's Venerable Amaral? Don't just tell him it's a perception in you. I mean, conventional reality we can use. We don't have to try to come from Paramatra Sacho, but on the level of mundane communication. But on reflection, we can. We can. Where is Venerable Amaral right now? Perception in my mind. That's what it actually is, Venerable Amaral, isn't it? Then you start arguing, no, he's, a, he's, he's down at Chitters. Really, you can prove it, go over and telephone. Or we could just drive down there tonight and check him out, if he's still there or not. But that, that down at Chitters, also perception in the mind. Though we're observing perception as perception. It is what it is. But it's only that. We're not, we're not, following, we're not making, going along with the usual assumptions that we, that there's a kind of ongoing permanent venerable amaro that we know because we have perceptions like that. We can break through that illusion of permanent ongoing venerable amaro. So, then the more we do this, then we, we're more aware of things as they are, of the way things really are, according to Dhamma. Where is your mother right now? <laughs> Saddam Hussein, where is he right now? They're looking for him. But in this way, you're, this is the Buddha seeing Dhamma and the fact that this is actually the way it is. This is an honest, truthful, direct knowledge of the way it is. It's not the, it's not the, it's not the believing and, and creating a whole, a whole belief system around conventional reality and being deluded by it. It is, it is this direct looking into the way it is. A perception is a perception. Saddam Hussein is a perception in my mind, right? 
I think Saddam Hussein, that's a perception in my mind. Obviously, Saddam Hussein has, although he believes all his uh, perceptions as being more than what's that, isn't it? He's not a meditator, a Buddhist. Otherwise, he wouldn't be doing all the things he does. I hope. But he he believes that the Americans are the. Uh, Satan force, satanic force. And though these kind of prejudices, biases, these are the illusions of the, that perception is no longer merely a perception, it is ongoing uh, truths, solid realities, the real world, the Americans, the Iraqis, the Israelis. These are and these are the things that set us going. Imagine what the word Israeli does to an Iraqi. I really think a lot of Israel, Israel, they did this and they did that and they did this and they did that and then they did this and then they did that and then this and then they did that. You set off a whole kind of tirade, can't you? If you if if say if you hate Israel, then you say. Try to say something interesting when when you know somebody hates somebody else, and you say so and so. I you know I think he's really very gifted and uh, capable being. And, oh God! Let me tell you about him. <laughs> On go gossiping. So that that is. We believe that that the perception is is a real person, and that we believe our our particular perceptions about that person are, is actually the way that person is all the time. Greedy, selfish, self-centered, egotistical, megalomaniac, thoughtless, insensitive, stupid, not caring, brutal, and satanic. Uh, that's we get worked up. Now notice when you when you when some emotion is raised, like you, you say, if, if anger is aroused, then the mind, the the way you think and perceive the world will be from anger. If you hate somebody, you're angry at somebody. <clears throat> then you, when you think of them, all you can do is feel anger. So you. They did this and they did that, and then five years ago they did this, five, ten years ago they did that, twenty years ago they did this, they did that, they never do anything right, they're hopeless. And when you're caught in that, that, that tirade of anger, can you think of anything good about that person? It's very hard, isn't it? It can, the momentum is anger so powerful that all you can you can remember everything they did wrong. 
And you even interpret the good things they do in a wrong way. Well, of course they did, you know, they did help those poor orphans, but that was just because they wanted to get the praise. Where before, when you were unangry, when you, when you were maybe in good terms with them, you thought, that was really kind of them to help those poor, helpless orphans. So unselfish. They did get a lot of praise for it, but they, they deserved it. People were praising and complimenting them. They won a prize for their humanitarian humanitarian prize. And, but they really deserved it because they did such a wonderful thing. And then when you're angry with them, you think, yeah, yeah, they helped those orphans all right. Look at them. <laughs> all the praise they got and the reward, and that's what they really want. They're just after that. They, they didn't care care a bit about those orphans. So the world of prejudice, isn't it? Prejudgments, biases, it's all built around illusions. So in Buddha saying Dhamma, you're you're getting outside the judgment realm and personal uh, reactions to seeing Dhamma perception is a perception. It is exactly what it is. Its quality is the way it is. If it's hot, then it's hot is a, it's really hot, it's just that, but it's not anything more. You don't add anything to it. Things are what they are, the suchness, as isness, da-ta-da, the sense of da-ta-da, as isness and suchness. So when we reflect on as is, suchness, things are, it is the way it is, this moment is just this way, it's a, it's a statement to, in order to be attentive to this moment as is. Because if we don't do this, then we tend to not really be aware of this moment as is, because we're thinking about the next or the last moment, or the moment in the future. Reflection on as is suchness. Bring our attention to the sound of silence, the breath, sound of the clock, there's the sound of the clock. It is as it is, isn't it? But you can perceive it as annoying you. How many of you perceive that clock as annoying your practice? How many of you tick-tock? Wretched clock on the wall that Arjun Sumedho put up. I'd like to take it and just throw it away. It's disturbing my 
my meditation. I can't practice in the meditation hall anymore because of that lousy clock. That's, those are perceptions, isn't it? There's consciousness, of, you're conscious of, of, the, of it, let's say, in the sound through the ear. Then you perceive it as an annoying sound, don't you? You, you, don't, you don't want it. You don't like that sound, you don't want it here. That's Vedana Sanya Sankara, that sequence. But when, is, when it is as it is, then, it's, then there's no, nothing added. Tick-tock is just the way it is, it's nothing, there's nothing more than that. You don't create a perception of that about it should or shouldn't be this way. And when there's non-grasping and things, when you allow things to be the way they are, then there's no suffering, non-suffering. When you grasp it and, and don't want it, don't want, want or don't want it, then it, then there's the dukkha, which takes us to soka pariteva tukha tomanasu payasa. You can contemplate the tick of the clock as, a, say, as from Vedana, from liking, from being attracted or liking or not liking it, or indifferent, neither nor. As Vedana, Perceiving it as a nuisance, as a, as a something that you'd like to get rid of, or as a, some object that you don't want. It's a perception of sanya. Then the sankhan is creating a, a, a thing about it in your mind. So the sense of emotional reaction. And just as soon as you hear it, you can, you can, uh, it starts off this, this pattern. Say if you've taken a dislike to it, then it becomes a habit, habitual thing. Where when you study it as Dhamma, then, then there's no suffering, it's just the way it is. It's this way. Nothing more than that, that. There's there's the sound of the clock. It's this way. But you're not grasping it. You're not out of ignorance. You're not making it into something more than this way. It's it's its own. It's the suchness 
as isness of this moment. It's in the, it's a when it reaches consciousness, when it becomes a conscious moment for you, it's just this way. It's just the conscious moment as is. But you're not always conscious of the clock ticking. Because as you get over, as you stop making problems about it, then you forget all about it usually. It's, you're not, you pay attention to it, you can deliberately listen to it, but when other things are unconscious, you're not conscious of the, there's not consciousness of the clock anymore. Now, when we see that Saddam Hussein is a perception in the mind, then we're, then that's the, that's the, that's seen Dhamma. That's the way it is. That's the what we can know right now in a direct way. We're not saying that there isn't anybody called Saddam Hussein over in Iraq right now some bunker or hiding out from in Baghdad somewhere. Invincible, don't they? Excuse me, while they, they kind of go through the streets of Baghdad and go through little vents and shaft windows and get to the, get to the mark. Surprised they haven't sent one to find Saddam Hussein. <laughs> but as direct knowledge you know, this is so for you to recognize direct knowledge Buddha seen Dhamma from a very humble position because it's, this is what we can know in the position we are, as having been born in the, in the, in a, as a human being, this, this we can know, this is direct knowing. That's, uh, that, and yet that, that is a, a transcendental knowing. It's a knowledge, universal knowledge, even though it, it seems not terribly important or even trivial or insignificant, knowing that Saddam Hussein is a perception in the mind, impermanent and not self. But not many people know that. Not many people have that kind of knowledge. They believe that Saddam Hussein is somebody over in Iraq. They believe that's the reality. That's the real world. Saddam Hussein over in Baghdad hiding out in a bunker is the real world. And that we're just kind of playing little games with our minds, sitting here, thinking that Saddam Hussein is a perception in our mind. But notice that we're not saying, they're kind of making a doctrine that Saddam Hussein doesn't exist. And they kind of, uh, you know, as a kind of 
uh, ultimate statement. But we're recognizing at this moment the way it is, the way things are. All that is subject to rising is subject to seizing. Anicca, anatta. All Dhamma is not self, we're not, is not us, it's not to be regarded from the, per, from the perception of me and mine and self. Soul or self or me and mine, those are perceptions, those are perceptions in the mind. So, so that uh, to become somebody you have to have a perception. When there's no self, there's still consciousness, isn't there? And perception is seen as perception rather than as, and is seen, and therefore it's dhamma rather than self. Where is Declan? Not as baby that died. No, as Dhamma, it's a perception in the mind. Declan is dead, is a perception in the mind. That doesn't mean that that we're dismissing the what happened in a kind of cold, heartless way. But it is being able to understand things as they are, see things as they are. So we're not we're not wallowing, indulging, or dismissing or rejecting anything, we're not suppressing anything, we're not indulging, but we're recognizing, realizing truth. So the mind is, is liberated from all the, the kind of fears and desires that corrupt it and distort our experience of consciousness to where consciousness then is a, is a door for perceiving uh, in the right way, perceiving the way, or or using perception for reflection and contemplation, rather than for belief and attachment. So in Dhammanu uh, Pasanasadibhattana, the fourth foundation of mind, we're using the Dharma teachings for reflection. The Four Noble Truths, Eightfold Path, Paticca Samupada, the Five Hindrances, the, the uh, Five Efforts, Four Efforts, the, the Five Powers, the Five Faculties, the, the um, Twenty-Two Indriya, the all these are Dharma teachings to use for reflection. So we're, 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 we're applying them to our, to the, our experience in the present. We're, we're realizing that these, these noble truths. We're taking these, these teachings and we're internalizing them. We're applying it to this moment to suffering, the end of suffering. If we didn't have these Dharma teachings, then we'd, we'd interpret everything on a very personal level. We'd interpret 
we wouldn't have any way of talking or, or really we wouldn't have a common language to you. We, everything that we experience would, would tend to be colored with the view of self, wouldn't it? Because we wouldn't have any Dharma, we wouldn't be seeing Dharma uh, through a traditional teaching. When we tried to express our insights and, and realizations, we'd only be stuck with a conditioned way of thinking that comes out of I am. So it, that's why so many kind of mystics and people that have a very profound religious experiences have a hard time trying to communicate it because it, it, they don't have a Dharma language agreed upon. They have to express it in, the, in their own kind of highly personal terms and it can sound pretty silly or funny or can sound, you know, really strange to us because the conditioned mind is, was, is conditioned out of ignorance, not out of wisdom. So the Dharma teachings allow us to use, to, 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 to have perceptions, words, concepts that we can use for reflection, in which we we, we all agree to use these Dharma teachings, then we have a way of talking about Dharma, a common language, which we, we can, we can uh, discuss Dharma with each other, not from me and mine anymore, but from a commonly agreed terminology and way of reflection and understanding. Like say when the, sometimes people have this feeling of being one with nature. They say, and then I, then I became one with nature. This wonderful, I went out into the countryside and I looked at the hills and I felt a total oneness. I became one with everything. I am one with everything. I am the one. You think, God. Really bonkers, that one. But there is, when it says Dhamma, we can see that, that there's this, there is this. This realization of non, of, uh, of where, where there's no self. When there's no self, there's no longer two. Self always, the sense of a self, of me and mine, always creates the, the illusion of two. So as long as you're committed to being somebody, a person, and believe that you always are the same person all the time, under all conditions, then when you do have 
uh, an experience of uh, a, re- a realization of a not so you tend to interpret in a, in a, in a, in a kind of self terminology which can be very very uh, kind of mis- you know not intentionally but can be quite a misrepresentation or can be easily misunderstood by somebody else So that's why in, in practice we observe the self and no self. When there is a sense of me and mine, my personality, I get to know the self. I'm, I'm not just trying to believe that there isn't any self, but I really study selfishness in self-view, in the feelings of I am the body, and my feelings and my memories, and what I think, and what I feel, and what I've done in the past, and what I hope to achieve in the future, and what I'm afraid of, and what I desire, and what I don't like, what I like, and I study this, know that all selfish attitudes, sense of me and mine, and the feelings, and all the kind of gravity and importance and, and that an emotion that go along with all this has studied I know it for what it is it is impermanent and when it's not there there's no self it's no self is like this there's, there's still consciousness there's consciousness and feeling, but there's, there's no... one is not following a view or a perception of, of uh, that, that arises in thought as being oneself. One is not interpreting the experience of this moment, this conscious experience or feeling as on a personal level. It is the way it is. It's as is, da-da-da. Da, da. 